Pastor Ed Taylor on where to run when you're hurting deeply. Have you ever been so tormented and in turmoil that you've gone from person to person and none of it, nobody made it, nobody made it better? You just, you, you sought out everyone you thought, you thought, surely if I could talk to her, if she could pray for me, if he could just give me a scripture, and you went through everyone, your whole, you know, list of names and people you thought about, you went to everyone, and at the end of that, you sought all the counselors, you, you went everywhere you possibly could to find comfort, and no one was able to relieve the pain. No one was able to give the comfort. I want you to know that God is the God of all comfort. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You The life of a Christian is sure exciting, but that doesn't mean there won't be suffering. Even in the suffering, God is faithful to provide comfort and to use the Christian's experience to strengthen us and to be a blessing to others. And today on Abounding Grace, we'll see this shining through as we continue a series in 2 Corinthians. Pastor Ed Taylor will be sharing some important truths about the Christian life over the next several weeks as we study this challenging letter from the Apostle Paul. Paul is in the process of dealing with the unfair accusations he's been receiving, and he finds comfort in the Lord. 2 Corinthians is a letter that Paul the Apostle writes to a church that has turned against him. Of course, not every single believer in the church has turned against him, but many have. Enough false lies, enough rumors have spread that many within the church had turned against him and have actively turning other people against him. It's like a tidal wave. It just goes and goes and goes and never seems to end. Since Paul's first letter, or the letter we know as 1 Corinthians, the church had been influenced by false teachers who literally flipped the sweet fellowship and unity of the church, flipped it upside down, and now there is a distance and a skepticism and even a suspicion flowing through the church against Paul the Apostle. If, if anyone has ever, you know, ever been on the end of uh, suspicion, you know, where people have believed wrong things about you, then you can understand. Like, it doesn't feel good. You might even get a chance to talk to the person finally and, and try to iron it out. And as they're sharing what they heard and you what you heard, you, you, it's almost like, you believe that? You believe that about me? You didn't even ask me? You didn't talk to me? You, be, you really? But here's the truth. And then by the time you end, if God is in the midst of it and the Spirit of God is bringing unity back, you both kind of leave with some tears and some heartache or you finally come back together and you both can't believe that the situation got as bad as it is. That's where Paul is, except that it was in the church. It was among believers. They claimed, remember, they claimed that he was proud. They claimed that he was indecisive, that he didn't care. They claimed that he was unimpressive in appearance. They claimed that he was dishonest. They even claimed that he was unqualified to be an apostle. They called his credentials into question, that he wasn't a good pastor, he wasn't a good leader, that there was really nothing good about him. And so what did Paul do? He sent a man by the name of Titus one of his right-hand guys to Corinth to handle the difficulties. He comes back to Paul with an encouraging report, and it was from that report that Paul pens this letter. And what we'll see, as we saw last time, we're going to see that Paul's going to defend himself. 
He is going to defend his conduct. He's going to defend his character. He's going to defend his calling, not as if he's chasing everything down. It's because he has a relationship. You know, the people that you're closest to are the ones you really try to reconcile with. That's who you start with, the people that are closest to you. If you have an issue with them and you widen the circle, isn't that true that the people that are closest to you can actually hurt you the most? It's the same flip side. When, they, when there is that pain, that's the one you want to resolve the fastest. You want to get it out of the way. You don't go chasing off all these other things of people you don't know. And I mean, the credibility of a rumor or a lie or anything is going to be directly related to the, how close the person is. And it is the people that are closest that are times that can cause the most pain. I mean, I think we were talking about in our staff meeting today. I think of Ahithophel as he came against David. Uh, I think of Judas as he came against Jesus and all the rest of the apostles. You know, that wasn't just a betrayal of Jesus. It was also a betrayal of the guys he hung out with for three years. Everybody was betrayed, including you and me. Paul is going to put a, bit, put a little bit of the truth back on the table, reminding them of the truth. And so if you're taking notes, I encourage you to do that. Remember the time is around 56 AD, and here's how the book's going to break out. Chapters 1 through 7, Paul explains his ministry. Chapters 8 and 9, Paul is, expresses an ex- expectation that the Corinthians give... And you'll see that when we get there. And then chapters 10 through 13, he defends, he expresses a defense of the gospel. So he explains himself, he expresses this expectation of giving, and then he expresses a defense. So pick up again with verse 1 of chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the church of God which is at Corinth, which all the saints who are in all Achaia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how Paul opens. We didn't look at it last time, but he opens up as an apostle. There is a sense of authority when that title is used. Now, I'm not a big proponent of throwing around titles because sometimes, well, many times titles are thrown around to try to establish some kind of leadership that doesn't currently exist. And so the relationship isn't working, so somebody will drop a title on you. Uh, That's not what Paul's doing. He's not dropping a title. He's identifying himself. Remember, I am an apostle. And it was a standard greeting, but it was still a greeting that was filled with meaning. He's an apostle. He's not writing in his own authority. He's not writing some emotional response to them. He's writing as an apostle. Some people doubt his calling, but he doesn't. Isn't that true at times where people might look at you and they accuse you of not being a believer or they accuse you of not really knowing what you're doing or what your calling is, but you know what your calling is. Everybody has an opinion, but only God matters. Everybody has an opinion on the situation or what's going on or perhaps even have an opinion on you, but it really doesn't matter what people's opinions are. Only God's opinion matters. And that's what you hold on to, especially in those times when you're kind of shaken by people's opinions. You want to trust in the Lord. He writes to, did you notice that? He writes to the church of God. Remember, the church belongs to God. It's not his. With all the saints who are in the area of Achaia, the saints. A lot of times when you think of the word saints, you automatically think of a group of people that's not you. And there are saints. They're even named for us, various saints for various purposes. And it's unfortunate that there's too many unbiblical doctrines that have floated around to make the word saint be something that is unattainable and something that is for them and not us. And you have to go through certain things and create certain miracles and have the blessing of the church. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches just the opposite. The Bible teaches that all of us are believers are saints. You can actually put that on your business card from now on. You are Saint Mary. That's who you are. You can call, you want to email me, you can send an email to St. Edward, the third. (laughs) 
We're all saints. It's not something that's unattainable. It's what you are. It's your identity in the Lord. I think one of the reasons why we can easily misunderstand the topic of saint because it hasn't been defined properly. It's a very simple word. The word is hagios. It means to be set apart for something special. The idea behind that word is also the word holy, sanctified, set apart. It comes from a word back in the Old Testament referring to the instruments that were used for the temple. They were holy. They were set apart. And there are, and it's been said wisely, there are two types of people in the world today. There are the saints and there are the ain'ts. (laughs) But it's true. Let me put it another way. It would be more understandable for you. There are believers and unbelievers. There are God-lovers and there are God-haters. There are people that have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ and there are people that are trying to work their way to God's graces, never finding that they're ever going to make it because perfection is what God requires. So today you're either a saint, you are a blood-bought believer who has repented of your sins and turned your life away from your sin, your sinful habits, your sinful past, everything about sin, And you've embraced Jesus as your only Savior. The only way to have your sins forgiven. That's either you. That that describes so many of us here. But there are some of you that has turned away from God and have no desire for the things of God whatsoever. A saint. That's who the church is filled with. Saints. You're a saint because you're you're separated from sin. Separated unto God. I mean, you do that with things in your... In your kitchen, you have certain utensils that are separated for certain purposes. And what you might use as a a container for milk, you're not going to use that same container for pomegranate juice because you know you'll ruin it. And then if you put the milk in the pomegranate juice container, it's going to turn all red and the kids definitely don't want anything to do with it now. It all looks dirty and it's all stale. And so you got one thing, if you're going to use something that's going to be messy, you, you set that apart. And you have something you want to use? You know, I'm certain that there are many of you ladies, you have the fine china. I know my mom did. Normally what we ate on was paper plates. <laughs> everything. Paper plates for everything. But when company or guests came over, my mom hid this. I don't even know where she put them to this day. She had plates somewhere where we didn't know where they were. And that's what got laid out. We didn't serve guests on paper plates. We ate on the paper plates, but she had a special set-apart dish for a special group of people that would come into our home. And the idea of a saint is that you're a special, set-apart person unto the things of God. Not hidden, but on display. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ, verse 5, abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we're comforted, it's for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also will you partake of the consolation. You might want to mark these verses for your life because if you don't need them now, you will need them soon. God reveals himself as the God of all comfort, 
the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Our God is a God of mercy and comfort and encouragement. He's a God that you can run to in tough times, that you can abide in, that you can find comfort in, that you can rest in. He's the Father of mercies. Paul knew this personally. This was no theory of his, no philosophy that he picked up in a book somewhere. This was his personal experience. He wasn't speaking from the lofty heights of some ivory tower where he spent all of his time studying the scriptures and studying the scrolls. He wrote this from the lowlands of reality, from the regularity of difficulty, from his painful reality. This was his life. He knew. He didn't know of the God of all comfort and the Father of all mercies. He knew him. He didn't know of him, but he knew him. It's interesting that Paul writes this to the Corinthians because the Corinthians, this church that he's writing to, were actually a major source of the pain he was feeling at the time that he wrote it. Think about that. The very source of his pain was the very source that he was reaching out to to comfort them and encourage them and help them see the reality of the situations that they were in. I find that interesting. I don't often have that feeling for the person that's causing pain to me. That's not my natural reaction. My natural reaction to someone that goes after me, someone that wants to inflict pain on me, is either to defend myself or to go back after them. Eye for an eye, that's the verse I'm going to look up. (laughs) I'm going to break their teeth. I'm going to pray through the Psalms. Oh, Lord, you're so awesome. Would you please break their teeth? You go, how can you pray that? The psalmist prayed it. But Paul, as he's anguishing and in crushed spirit over the part of his life, part of his difficulties was this very church. He doesn't strike back. He doesn't go after him. The Spirit of God is hindering him and holding him back, comforting him and encouraging him so that his response is the way of love. Paul found very deep abiding comfort in God. Have you ever been so tormented and in turmoil that you've gone from person to person and none of it, nobody made it, nobody made it better? You just, you, you sought out everyone you thought, you thought, surely if I could talk to her, if she could pray for me, if he could just give me a scripture, and you went through everyone, your whole, you know, list of names and people you thought about, you went to everyone, and at the end of that, you sought all the counselors, you, you went everywhere you possibly could to find comfort, and no one was able to relieve the pain. No one was able to give the comfort. I want you to know that God is the God of all comfort. Paul knew this personally. Let me show you. Turn over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. He lived this out, and I know that many of you know this truth. I feel so weak at times. I, I feel so inadequate when people come to me as a fellow brother or as a pastor, and they come with the greatest burden, and I don't have anything to give them. I'm not fast enough to think of a scripture. Romans 8.28 just sounds so empty at the time. I don't have an answer to their problem. I I can't relieve. There there are so many times I'm talking with someone and I just wish I had the resources that I could relieve just a small part of the pain. Just take a little bit of it. I know when the kids were small, when our kids were small and they would get sick, there would be oftentimes I'd just lay over them in their fever and I'd ask God to give me their fever. 
I was with, I would just, man, they're so in torment. I would just ask God, can I just feel a little bit for them just for a moment? God never really allowed that. And you'd walk away just so helpless. What are you going to do with your sick kid? You've already gone through the, the baths and you've already gone to even the doctor and they said, take this and sit this and you just watch your kids so sick and so ill. It's the same as you minister to other people. You feel the same way. You're just like, if, you know, right now I'm not really going through anything right now. Right, right now I'm not really, if, God, if I could just feel it for a moment, if I could just relieve the pressure for a minute and, and you feel so inadequate. And it's times like that that even as we're serving people, we have to remember, I'm not the God of all comfort. Let's go to him together. Let's just declare the truth. God is the God of all comfort. He's the father of mercies. He's merciful to us. Let's watch him work it out. As we face the storms and the tragedies and the sorrows and the pain that seem to never go away. You get through a week or two of sleep and then it comes back that Monday night. Something happens as... You didn't expect it to happen that way. A phone call, a a smell, a a memory, a a screeching of the brakes, an alarm goes off, a, a newscast. Someone that's insensitive, they don't know what to say. I believe that God has given us each other to encourage and to comfort, but none of us are the God of all comfort. None of us are the Father of all mercies. And it would do well as you begin to feel the same weaknesses that I do at times for us to just, let's go together. Let's just go together. I don't know what God's doing. I don't know why he's allowed this. I don't know why the tragedy. I don't know why the sorrow. I mean, I I have some Bible answers for you. I know the depth and depravity of sin. I I know how wrecked sin can, how much sin can wreck a life. I know all that. You know that too. And then we come and go, oh God. Well, notice Paul knew this in verse 1. He describes in chapter 5 of Romans. He says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And now, you know, he talks about where we stand and what he's done and the grace that he's given, the peace of God that we have, all the wonderful benefits of being saved. And then he says, And not only that, we also glory in our tribulations and we have to admit that's hard you're writing this letter you may not include that phrase we glory in our tribulations well here's how knowing that tribulation produces perseverance verse 4 and perseverance character and character hope it develops us it grows us it changes us I mean all of these things these depth of character depth of hope now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates, verse 8, his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now I don't don't fully understand the, the dynamics of tribulation, why God allows this particular thing and why God would allow him and not her and her and not him. There's so much mystery that God's going to clear up for us when we, when we, when I have this assurance in my own heart for your tragedy and for mine, that when I meet Jesus face to face, it will make sense to me. I have that confidence. The Bible says that I'm going to know even as I am known 
There's going to be a full knowledge available to me when I have that fullness of my hope fulfilled in being with Jesus face to face. I have that confidence. I know it. There is no getting around it. The godly will suffer and experience painful trials at times. But thankfully, we have a God who brings the comfort we need to make it through. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace, and maybe you're really going through it as we speak. You can hear this complete study online right now at calvaryco.church. Pastor Ed, as you were speaking about the God of all comfort today and how He comforts us in our trials, can you recall a time in your life where you found this to be true? You know, Larry, I could think of many different times when God has shown up and manifest His comfort in my life. And I could list a bunch of them, but can I just tell you one? For the sake of you guys listening to Abounding Grace, uh, I looked up the date of this teaching, and even though it's airing now, I actually first taught this message in January of 2013. And in January 2013, our oldest son, Eddie, was still alive. And so I taught this message on comfort uh, and had not yet fully experienced the kind of comfort that was going to come in just a few months from the teaching of this study, because it was in May of 2013 that our oldest son, Eddie, died in, in a most tragic and difficult way. And the God of all comfort met us when we were driving down from the mountains, and my son was still alive, and and we received the text that something tragic happened, and and you could just feel and sense the comfort of God enabling us to drive down safely, get to the hospital, unite with, his, with uh, Eddie's wife and, and family, and begin to pray and begin to infuse hope, um, which wasn't too soon met with a lot of lack of hope by others. And it was just so sad, and yet so encouraging that God was there. And God's there now. Uh, we're many years later uh, from when I taught this study. And and I think uh, as much as uh, the Bible study is accurate and good and biblical and ministering to our hearts, I would suspect that if I taught this study today using the same notes, it'd be delivered a little differently because I have a little more experience with the comfort of God. And I just want to speak to those of you that are in need of the comfort of God today. I'm sorry that you're in pain. I, and I mean this, I don't mean it like like a hopeful thing. Like, you know, I wish I could relieve some of the pressure from your life. I wish that I could um, make it easier for you. I wish that the grief would be a little easier. I wish that the pain and the difficulty, um, but, but m- paling in comparison to my wishes is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation. And it's true and it's real. I was talking to someone recently who ov- openly and, and actively told me they were an agnostic and they kind of believed in God, but didn't believe in all facets. And it was, it was very difficult to hear that because, you know, I used to take that as a mental thing, but it's not just a mental thing anymore. It's like a personal thing because that God they don't believe in is the very God that's ready to help them. It's the very God that gave his son Jesus Christ to die for them. It's the very true, one and true God who comforts me and my family, who gives comfort and hope to you. And and so, yeah, I mean, that's the big one, Larry. And uh, we're still uh, living with the pain and the the difficulty surrounding the loss of our son, but we're also living with a greater understanding of God's love for us, and a, and we were resolved to live our life to please God 
to honor the memory of our son and to go for it with everything that we have. And the only by the grace of God, only by the grace of God, but he is gracious and full of grace and truth. So turn to him today, would you please? Just, just stop what you're doing and ask God to fill you with the Spirit and comfort you. Just ask him. You can say, God, I'm just all messed up right now. Please comfort me. Thanks for asking, Larry. Thanks for sharing that, Pastor Ed. I'm sure that was very helpful to someone listening. Here in the month of August, we've picked out an excellent book we believe will really be of help to you or a friend of yours. See if this sounds familiar. Someone comes up to you with a problem they're facing, and you know Scripture speaks to it, but you just can't quite think of the verse. Well, the quick Scripture reference for counseling is just what you need to be able to quickly find the Bible passages for the issues you and your friends are faced with. It's arranged topically, so you can quickly find what you're looking for. And we'll send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.church. And thank you for your support. It helps us get the word out on stations like this one all across the nation. We'll hear more about the God of all comfort in adversity next time on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor returns to 2 Corinthians. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.